0: Hey everyone, technically you're getting two days in history today because we're running two episodes from the History Vault. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to this day in history class, where history waits for no one. The day was February 22nd, 1943. German student and anti-Nazi activist Sophie Scholl, her brother Hans, and their friend Christoph Probst were on trial for treason at the People's Court in the Munich Palace of Justice. Just four days prior, they had been arrested and indicted for treason after they were caught passing out pamphlets at the University of Munich that condemned the Nazi regime. So on February 22nd, the infamous Nazi judge Roland Freisler found all three of them guilty and sentenced them to death the verdict came down, quote, that the accused have in time of war by means of leaflets, called for the sabotage of the war effort and armaments, and for the overthrow of the national socialist way of life of our people, have propagated defeatist ideas, and have most vulgarly defamed the Fuhrer, thereby giving aid to the enemy of the Reich and weakening the armed security of the nation. On this account, They are to be punished by death. Their honor and rights as citizens are forfeited for all time." At 5 p.m., just a few hours later, executioner Johann Reichart beheaded Sophie at the guillotine, followed by Christoph, then Hans. The Scholes and Probst were members of the nonviolent political resistance group called White Rose which formed in Nazi Germany in 1942. The group wrote and distributed leaflets and put up graffiti that denounced Nazi policies and encouraged people to resist the Nazi regime. But Sophie had not always been so fervently anti-Nazi. Sophie's parents, Magdalena and Robert Scholl, opposed Hitler and the Nazi regime. Robert was even imprisoned in 1942 after telling his secretary the war, it is already lost. This Hitler is God's scourge on mankind. And if the war doesn't end soon, the Russians will be sitting in Berlin. But early on, the Scholl siblings had bought into Nazi ideology, believing that Hitler would improve the country. As children, Hans and his brother Werner joined the Hitler Youth the youth organization of the Nazi party that was designed to indoctrinate children with Nazi ideology and to train members to fight for the Nazis as soldiers. Sophie and her sisters joined the League of German Girls, a branch of the Hitler Youth Movement that aimed to train Nazi girls in Nazi ideology and motherhood. But as they grew older, the Scholl siblings grew disillusioned with Nazi views. After realizing how much Nazi propaganda they were learning in school, how much their views were being suppressed, and how many of their Jewish classmates were being forced to leave school, the siblings changed their tune. Hans had even served on the Eastern Front as a medic, where he saw the abuse of Jewish laborers and heard rumors of the mass murder of Jewish people. So Sophie, Hans, and other disillusioned University of Munich students, including Christoph Probst, Alexander Schmarell, and Willy Graf, began reading anti-Nazi sermons. They also attended classes taught by psychology and philosophy professor Kurt Huber, whose lectures included veiled criticisms of the Nazi regime. And in June of 1942, they decided to take action by sending out pamphlets outing Nazi atrocities and urging people to reject Nazi ideology and rebel against the regime. The movement gained ground as they mailed out leaflets to random people, left them in stairwells on campus, placed them in phone booths, and took them by train to other cities outside of Munich. But the Gestapo, Nazi Germany's political police, were looking to silence any dissenting voices. And the creators of the White Rose pamphlets were one of their targets. So on February 18th, 1943, Hans and Sophie took a suitcase full of copies of White Rose's sixth pamphlet to the University of Munich, throwing some out into a courtyard. But a custodian caught them in the act and reported them to the Gestapo, who proceeded to interrogate Hans, Sophie, and other White Rose members the Gestapo ended up finding a leaflet drafted by Christoph Probst on Hans Scholl, incriminating his collaborator. So Sophie, Hans, and Christoph stood trial on February 22nd, but the so-called People's Court that held the trial was just a vehicle for the Third Reich to hand out a ton of death sentences for supposed political crimes. And the trial was really just a show trial as there were no witnesses or evidence presented. The three were sentenced to death, but were surprisingly courageous in the face of their executions, which were set to occur that very afternoon in Stadelheim prison. Just before he was beheaded, Hans cried, long live freedom. Many other White Rose members were tried and executed later that year. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully, you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to learn more about the White Rose Group, you can listen to the Stuff You Missed in History class classic episode called The White Rose in Nazi Germany. Get more notes from history on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. See you, same place, same time tomorrow. Hey, I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast where we bring you a slice of history every day. The day was February 22, 1876. Native American activist and writer Zitkala Shah, also known as Gertrude Simmons Bonin, was born on the Yankton Reservation in South Dakota. Zitkala Shah's mother, named Reaches for the Wind, was a Yankton Sioux. Her father was a white man named Felker. But Felker abandoned the family early on, and Zitkala Shah's mother eventually married another man named John Hastings Simmons. Zitkala Shah gave herself her name, which means Red Bird in the Lakota language. Zitkala Shah spent her early childhood on the reservation. There, she listened to traditional stories with characters that she would later include in her first book. But when she was around eight years old, she left the reservation to go to a Quaker missionary school in Indiana. Zitkala Shah's mother did not support her attending this school because she did not trust the missionaries to educate Native American children. Zitkala Shah returned to South Dakota after three years of study. But four years later, she left the reservation again to go back to school. One of the schools she went to in the following years was Earlham College in Indiana, While there, she got second place in a statewide oratory contest, which resulted in her first publication. She also studied music and played the violin. This led her to study at the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston and teach at the Carlisle Indian School in Pennsylvania. She did not really care for the time she spent at Carlisle, and she disagreed with the school's founder, Richard Henry Pratt, who supported teaching Native American students agrarian and domestic skills rather than academic subjects. Around this time, Zitkala Shah began publishing her work in magazines like Harper's and Atlantic Monthly. In 1901, the publisher Jen and Company released her first full-length book, Old Indian Legends. That year, when she visited her mother, she met another Yankton Sioux named Raymond Bonin. They got married, had a child, and moved to a reservation in Utah. Zitkala Shah worked as a clerk and teacher. Her musical and writing careers took a backseat to the rest of her work, though she did collaborate with composer William Hansen on an opera called Sundance that premiered in Utah in 1913. At this point, Zitkala Shah was turning more toward activism. She became involved with the Society of American Indians, or SAI, a reform organization formed at Ohio State University in 1911. The group was run by Native Americans, and it aimed to preserve their way of life while advocating full American citizenship. It focused on government reforms as well as activities like increasing Native American employment in the American Indian Service, which was the agency that managed Native American affairs. Zitkala Shah wrote a poem that was published in the Society's Quarterly magazine, and in 1916, she was elected secretary of the organization, a position she held until 1919. Zitkala Shah and her family moved to Washington, D.C., There, she became involved with many other organizations concerned with Native American rights and reforms. She served as editor of SAI's publication, American Indian Magazine, writing essays about issues such as land retention and self-determination. She lobbied lawmakers and toured across the U.S. in support of Native American citizenship. She spoke out on the conditions of poverty on reservations, detailing how food was scarce, and opportunities for education and employment were few. But because she had one foot in white society and the other in Native American communities, she did garner the distrust of some Native Americans. After the SAI disbanded and the Indian Citizenship Act passed, Sitkala Shah and her husband founded the National Council of American Indians. Its goal was to make a, quote, constructive effort to better the red race and make its members better citizens of the United States. It promoted pan-Indianism, as opposed to tribalism. Though the organization floundered, Zitkala Shah continued to lecture on Native American reforms and rights. She died in 1938. Her writing is noted for describing the tension between her Native American roots and her white education— her advocacy has been criticized by some people who note the impact of assimilation on cultural identity. But she is considered an influential activist in Native American history as she advocated for Native American civil rights, women's rights, education, and the preservation of Native American culture. I'm Eve Stefcote, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you haven't gotten your fill of history yet, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at T D I H C Podcast. And if you would like to write me a letter, you can scan it, turn it into a PDF, and send it to us via email at thisday@iheartmedia.com. At I hope you liked this show. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode.